The role of the modern-day pastor and ministry leader is changing. More and more pastors around the world today are ministry leaders who are doing multiple jobs and wearing multiple hats. They are bivocational or co-vocational leaders. They may be pastors looking for creative ways to use their church or staff to create income and revenue for sustainability. They may be ministry leaders who are looking for ways to launch for-profit initiatives or integrate innovation into their organization. They may be those who want to do missions globally and find creative ways to create sustainability. Or they may be marketplace leaders who are called to stay in the marketplace, but want to be part-time pastors, lay pastors, start ministries or nonprofits. This is the age of the new ministry leader. They wear different hats and do different things. They are technologically savvy and global. They are who God is using to make an impact in cities and communities around the world. This is the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast, and these are their stories. Well, hey, Grow Center friends. It is good to see you all again. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. My name is Tracy Bianchi, and it is my joy to get to partner with uh, the friends at Northern and the Grow Center. And today we are so excited. We are going to spend some time um, getting to know and talking with um, a new addition to the faculty and the team at Northern Seminary, Dr. Lynn Coick. And she is with us today. I think she's zooming in from the Northern campus. And so it's, it's good to see people in offices. <laughs> And, and all those normal things. Um, if you're not familiar with Lynn, uh, while she is new to Northern, she is not new to um, academia and uh, writing and all of the wonderful things in the world of Christian seminaries. Uh, she came to Northern from Denver Seminary, where she was the academic dean and provost there. She came um, also from Wheaton College. She has served at Nairobi Evangelical Graduate School of Theology in Kenya. She earned a PhD in New Testament and Christian origins from the University of Pennsylvania. She is an author. She speaks at conferences and events. And um, personally, um, I know her personally as well. And she's just an amazing person. And it's just fun to be around you, Lynn. So selfishly, I've been very excited about this interview. So thank you for being with us today. Uh, before we dive in and um, start to ask you some questions, I'm just going to pray for all of us wherever we are coming to this interview, and then we'll get into it. So let's uh, just pause for a minute and, and offer God some thanks. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you that we are at a place in history that uh, we can come together from different time zones, um, different moments. Some of us are listening on a walk with our earbuds in, some of us may be driving, some of us are sitting in offices or sitting in our homes. Lord, wherever it is, God, your spirit has led us to this conversation in this place. So God, thank you for that gift. Teach us, Lord, what you have us to learn. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, be with Lynn and to learn about what you have gifted her with and how you've equipped her to encourage the church now and into the future. So thank you, God, for this time. We hand it over to you and may your spirit guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's nice to be here, Tracy. 
I know, we're excited. So I've been looking forward to this one uh, so very much. This, uh, for those of you who do not know, Lynn just came out with this fabulous new commentary on the book of Ephesians. And so, like I said, there was much to celebrate with uh, her coming to Northern, but this commentary is so exciting. So would you just start us off by telling us, uh, telling us about this piece? Tell us about your new, your new commentary, your new, your new work. Yeah, thank you. Yes, well, it was a labor of love. Um, sometimes the emphasis is on labor, and a lot of times the emphasis is on love, but, um, you know, because it's hard, even if, uh, well, there were times when, um, surprisingly enough, um, commentary writing can get tedious, you know, proof checking um, pages and that kind of thing can be tedious. On the other hand, um, the letter itself is so exciting and vibrant and full of life and joy that, uh, the years, and it was years that I spent working on this, um, actually were just just a wonderful time. So I'm grateful to uh, to see it completed, though. That's also really wonderful. I know it's it's such a gift to probably hold it in your hands and think, thank you, That's Lord. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> yep. so why Ephesians? What what led you professionally to to this book versus obviously any of the other books of the the Bible you could be an expert in? Why why Ephesians? Well, uh, uh, at one level, I would say that uh, I got asked. So, <laughs> you know, I uh, uh, there there's just that kind of serendipitousness to it, if serendipitousness is a word. Um, I also, I wrote a couple of years before this one, I wrote a smaller commentary on Ephesians and it really whetted my appetite to go deeper. I have a smaller commentary in the New Covenant commentary series and uh, by Cascade. And so that, um, yeah, I, I would say that, that made me want to go uh, more, uh, ask uh, some deeper questions about uh, about the letter. And then uh, with my work on women at this time, and also um, with um, Jew and Christian relations, that was a part of my dissertation. So I've been doing, I've been looking into that for a number, well, a couple of decades. Ephesians touches on all of those things. So it was a chance for me to engage on those topics that I love, to get into Paul's letter more deeply. Um, and then uh, I, I also uh, really enjoyed um, thinking theologically with Paul. There's so much on the church in Ephesians and there's so much of language of Trinity. I mean, he doesn't use the word Trinity, but he talks about father, he talks about son and about the Holy Spirit. And so that um, that was a lot of fun to venture into that more theological side of Paul. Well, yeah, and what a timely conversation too. You know, when you, I'm sure when you're when you're trudging through these this ancient material, the ancient languages, and, and sorting all this out, uh, it's always uh, such a gift how relevant all of that is to exactly where the church is today. And and here we are in at, at least in the church in North America in our context, um, this has been a big year. <laughs> yes. So, you know, what do you think, you know, Paul is saying to the church, the, the, the pandemic church that's reconciling with race and all these things right now, like, 
what's what's Paul saying to the church in North America today? That's you know a small question. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, I. Uh... I mean, you've hit on the questions for today, right? Racism, sexism, I think, um, how, how does one um, enter into the political arena uh, in, in a helpful way? Um, and uh, questions of unity, uh, how is the church unified or not? Um, those, those are big issues facing the church today. Um, but those are also human realities that Paul certainly experienced and the early church experienced. Um, and so what I would say with, um, with, F, with studying Ephesians, um, it, it was both very hard, but also uh, very spiritually rewarding to take a close look at the household codes in Ephesians, where you look at uh, three different pairs, uh, husband and wife, uh, parent and child and uh, owner and slave. Those three pairs were what made up the household in the ancient world. Actually, it goes back even to Aristotle, 500 years before Paul. That's how they thought about uh, the the uh, smallest unit of a of a society, and from that, then conceptualized the city. Um, and and so being able to uh, read through the, these household codes in a concentrated way with the backdrop of the broader global conversation about um, race, about ethnocentric views, about human trafficking and human slavery that we still have today. It was sobering, it was challenging, uh, and. And Paul's words here through the through the spirit are are just as alive for us as they were to his um, to his ancient community. Um, I think the the slavery, if I could just add the slavery that Paul faced and the Roman uh, society was a slave. It was a slave uh, society. They probably had about 30 percent of the people who lived in Rome were slaves. Some of those slaves could be wealthy, I mean, in the imperial family, but uh, across the empire, you probably had one in 10 uh, who were slaves. But when you get into the cities, like in Ephesus, people imagine that probably maybe 20% of the church uh, included slaves, 20% were slaves. Um, and the slavery at that time was not based on race, the way that uh, the slavery in the United States was, uh, was, was framed. Nevertheless, you still had one person owning another person's body and, you know, if you will, almost body and soul. And in the ancient world, the, while, you, while slaves could get their freedom, they actually were never free. They entered into this category called freed, F-R-E-E-D. They were freed person. And they still had connections with their uh, former owners, um, obligations, I would say, obligations to their former owners. And so you didn't, uh, the, moreover, and I think this is such a crucial point, in the ancient world, there was a social worth that was attached to each person. And the slave had almost zero 
maybe I could say zero social worth. And so even if they were freed, nevertheless, they carried that lack of social worth with them. Now I'm, I'm stressing all of this because I, because I think when we go to the letter to the Ephesians and Paul talks about all believers having an inheritance and that God, the God of the universe is, is your father and Christ, his son has, has you're, you're seated next to him in the heavenlies. When would a slave ever be seated in a place of honor? Nowhere. A freed person, nowhere. A, a poor person, nowhere. And and yet Paul, Paul says, all of us as believers, we are seated alongside Christ in the heavenly. So Paul, Paul presents this understanding of what we have in Christ in such a way that it would just tear down the the uh, cultural and the and the social and even the, like the mindset barriers of inequality that was in the church and I say in the world uh, and which can often you know come into the church um, I say all of this because there are some who would um, take aim at Paul for not coming out and saying slavery should be illegal and I would just uh, comment to that that um, it, it really wouldn't have been a, an option for this very small group. <laughs> this, I mean, we think Apostle Paul is this big, big guy. Lots of churches are named after him, you know, now. But uh, he really, you know, flying the ointment, that's about it, right? A smushed bug on the windscreen. He's, he wasn't much, <laughs> uh, just an irritant uh, to some uh, cities when he when he entered but but not not that big of a deal that he could somehow make this huge change empire wide what he did though was he knocked out the foundations of the institution of slavery as it was understood in the ancient world by telling owners that god shows no favoritism and by uh indicating that all believers uh sit together with christ those pictures um, do do more, uh, I think, than any law could, because it's changing the heart and the mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mean, that, it's so, I love to hear you say that because it was so radical at that time. I think we look with our contemporary eyes at Paul and say, "Why didn't you do more?" And at the time, the things he said were so radical, and it's. I think it's a gift because so many scriptures and certainly some in Ephesians have been weaponized and used as reasons to keep people down in the name of God, incorrectly used, obviously. And here you bring this great conversation to light to show how freeing Paul really was and how radical he was. And I just, I just thank yeah. you for doing that. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, you know, these controversial spaces sometimes that we find ourselves in. Uh, one of the, the things I admire so much about you is um, the way you inhabit um, some of the spaces that you're in. 
um, you know, you as a, a female contributor to this particular commentary series is is rare. I think you're the only um, female contributor right now. Uh, you serve in high-level, high-capacity leadership roles at evangelical seminaries, where a lot of those leadership roles are inhabited by men. Uh, so tell us a little bit about just your journey as a female commentator, a female academic. I know that's a, that's a big question, but can you just speak to what it's been like to write as a woman in this series and to, and to lead seminaries as a woman? Yeah, uh, I'm happy to talk about it. You know, at times I wonder if I could um, have inhabited also a male body and done like a parallel life. And then I'd be able to say, well, this was harder and this was easier. You know, I'm kind of a Star Trek fan. Maybe there's a parallel universe, you know, where I could do this. So I only know uh, from my vantage point. But uh, my name, as you notice, doesn't have an E on it. It's spelled as though a, a man can also spell his name the same as mine, L-Y-N-N. So sometimes, uh, especially if people have not seen me, if they've seen me, then they realize, okay, she is a woman. And for that, I'm grateful. <laughs> but if they just see my name, um, sometimes they just assume that I'm a man. So a couple of years ago, I was on a panel discussing a book. And uh, the person who was heading up this discussion, um, he and I had not met. And so we had this email exchange and I don't, I mean, we we're just kind of dividing up the book, who was going to do what. And, you know, there was maybe five of us on this, uh, in this discussion. And, uh, and then I, I come to the, um, uh, to the session and I introduce myself and, the and the guy kind of does a double take and, I don't really think about it. I thought, okay, whatever. And uh, and later he tells me, oh, I, I thought you were a man. I mean, just because of our exchange and because in his mind, biblical scholars are men. And that's who he had worked with. That's just what he assumed. Um, and, and he then kind of went further and thought, wow. I, and he said to me, I, I hope I didn't say anything that, you know, bothered you, you know, in my email exchange. I thought, no, I mean, I just, you're treating me like a colleague. And so I use that story as it's kind of funny. There have been painful stories, of course, but uh, it it's funny. And yet it's also um, my reaction was both um, positive in that I was accepted in the guild. Uh, I w wasn't a token woman because they didn't even know I was a woman. On the other hand, uh, you know, I, I don't want the norm to be male or masculine, whatever that uh, might seem. And so uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? I love the opportunity to speak and I get the opportunity. And sometimes people are even pretty direct. We need a, a woman on this panel. I think, okay, well, all right, I'll, I'll be that voice. Um, other times it can be just annoying because you feel like, well, you're the token woman. I don't know what the expectation uh, is, is for that, but um, it, yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that story helps at all, but um, it, uh, at the end of the day, I try to just be myself um, for, you know, all my quirkiness, I guess, and uh, uh, try to be a good scholar based on the ideas of the day in in academia and um yeah just 
go from there. <laughs> I love it. That's a great, that's a great story. I, um, I think what you said there is so significant at the end of the day, you're just yourself. And I, it's interesting. I think when we have these conversations with, with women, I think, you know, people can get all tripped over themselves because it's well, wondering, well, what do women want or how many women belong here or what, you know, who belongs there. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, it is about just giving both genders the space to be who they are, to bring their, their brain, their heart, their gifts, their passion, the spirit of God in them to the spaces they inhabit. And, and, and wouldn't it be great <laughs> if one day the church and academia and seminaries and ministries all land in this place where we're who we are. And that's, that's why we're asked to be on a panel or not be on a panel or whatever, whatever it might be. So um, what do you think are some, um, some things that organizations, ministries, seminaries could do better then mm -hmm. to help us show up as who we are, you know, and have it not be this <gasps> moment when you find out that Lynn doesn't have an E, you know, but what can we do better? What have you learned? You've been leading these um, flagship institutions. You know, you are a known leader in academia. What What do we need to do better to help women be who they are when they show up to school or seminary, wherever it is? Yeah. Well, I think it, it's going to take men also um, that to, and I have many uh, male colleagues who in fact are doing just this, who are uh, encouraging their students and their parishioners and their co-workers to read women's works, um, to, uh, to give women opportunity to speak, to just kind of normalize, right? To normalize uh, the, the woman's voice um, and, and to normalize it in a range of activities, including those that have authority. Um, like uh, fighter pilots or, uh, and I, I come up with this example because I was thinking about uh, the other day, the um, miracle on the Hudson when Sully landed the plane. Uh, and then, we, but we tend not to remember the fighter pilot who, uh, or ex uh, fighter pilot who, uh, landed the, the uh, Southwest Airlines, um, Schultz is her name. And uh, she, she did a remarkable, remarkable job. Are we comfortable with seeing her as a hero? Uh, the same as Sully. Uh, those are the kinds of things that as we just, as we share more about what women have accomplished and what they can do, um, it just, it just, feels a little more natural that way. Yeah, when we normalize it, you know, so to speak. So yeah. I think that's great. Well, and um, what I love about your work is that you are, you're bringing that to the table. You know, here you have this great commentary. And, and, and what I love in particular is that, is that serendipitousness that you talked about at the beginning. You write on Ephesians. I mean, this is a, there are passages in here that have been used to say that you shouldn't write on Ephesians. And yes. <laughs> I just think that, I, I don't know, is, you know, this is a little sidebar, but has anybody ever commented on that to you or is, has that come up at all? Not, not to my face at this point. Um, I have, um, 
I was asked to, at, to speak at a conference um, and uh, with one thing and another, they had to kind of change, change out at the last minute um, how they were gonna do a panel discussion and that sort of thing. At any rate, there were four men speaking and myself and the, the coordinator just asked all the men to do the panel and not me. And so I went to him privately and I said, this is super awkward. I mean, I'm not going to leave the conference. I'll do my bit tomorrow that I was supposed to do. But I just want you to know this is really awkward. Uh, these are my colleagues and we're all standing around really. You know, they felt, I think, very uh, weird on, on all of this. So the conference convener said, I'm really sorry. We'll get you up there on the panel you know, it's just an oversight. And I thought, okay, that's, that's great. Um, so I uh, need to get mic'd for it. Uh, everyone was doing it in turn. So I go up and get mic'd, the guys working on, on that. And I finish and walk off the stage, walk up the auditorium aisle. And uh, when I get to the back, one of the sound guys says something about, I guess that worked okay, or something along those lines. And he said to me, you know, it's like uh, the Sesame Street song. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, one of these things is not like the other, you know, that song. <laughs> and I, I just thought, oh my gosh, because the next line, of course, is one of these things just doesn't belong. And I don't know if he was referencing the whole song or not. Uh, but I just, yeah, I mean, so you get these slights um, that you just, I, I, yeah. So I, I will be totally truthful with everyone here. Uh, I went to the ladies room and shed a tear or two, did not smear the mascara, but uh, just thought, oh, I just, I just felt so useless um, and stupid. And uh, you know, but the Lord reminded me, did I call you here, Lynn? Is this an opportunity uh, for you? Then in my strength, go back out. So that, you know, uh, I have had enough of these. I'm, I'm quite old, Tracy, very old. <laughs> so I've had enough of these uh, to know that the Lord always comes through. But I sympathize, especially with my younger colleagues in their 20s and 30s who are, who experience these things uh, fresh and it, it's it's absolutely no fun. But I've I've also found that God has a sense of humor because uh, I I never went to seminary. My church um, I was part of the Evangelical Free uh, Church at that time, and my my particular local church would not sign a letter of recommendation for me to go and study um, either in the Bible or um, you know preaching, something like that. They would allow me to go if I did church history or if I did um, Christian education. But I was not real interested in uh, Christian education. Um, and I don't have those gift sets. But uh, church history, I, well, okay. I mean, you know, I, um, I do enjoy history. So I went for a semester to a local uh, seminary in Gettysburg, Lutheran Seminary, just for a semester before I went on to my PhD. But I just think it's so kind of hilarious that I taught at a seminary in Nairobi, and then I've been a provost dean at two evangelical seminaries. So 
God, God, you know, the, Lord, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I, you know, his wonders to perform. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't love know. it. It's, <laughs> it's such a gift. And I thank you for being in the hard spaces that you're, you are in, because when you do bring work like this to the table or you do show up on that panel, you, you normalize it, God willing, for people who come next. I, I have a 13-year-old daughter. I don't know what she'll do, but if she wants to write a commentary someday or wants to speak at, she, you have shown her she can do those things. So thank you for the ache that, it, that you go through for it because it is, it is for the glory of God and for the generations upcoming for sure. So yeah, I could go off on that. For, we, we have to do another one of these interviews. Um, I hope that everybody who's joining us can just sense the great energy and conversation here. We need to do another, we need to do a follow-up, a part two on this, because I feel like oh, we're, we're just getting started on some of the, the good yeah. juicy conversation around gender. And, and our time is actually quickly coming to a close uh, for this kind of moment. So, um, so look for that. We're going to do a part two on this, everybody. But, uh, before we close our time right now, Lynn, would you would you tell us, uh, so for those of you who don't know, the Grow Center this summer is doing a series of micro courses, kind of mini courses you can take. You can take them for credit if you're a student. You can take them non-for credit if you're a professional marketplace leader, you know, person in ministry, you just want to sharpen your skills. They're four weeks. They're in June and July. Great opportunity to, to just engage in some conversations and to learn from great people like Lynn. So uh, Lynn, tell us about your class this summer. What are you teaching and, and why should folks listening right now want to sign up for your class this summer? Well, we're going to dig into Ephesians. And I am so excited to do that um, because of the issues that, you've, uh, that we've talked about today. Th this letter is so relevant to what it means to be the church. Um, and it is so rich in who God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are. And in this moment, uh, we as believers need, need to know who we are and who it is that we serve and honor and who it is that loves us, loves us and is for us and is with us. So that's what I'm excited to do. And we'll do it in a learning community where I learn just as much as those who join. So I, I will love the discussion. I won't ramble on and on, maybe not too much. I mean, I am a professor, so part of the job is to ramble, but hopefully we'll also arrive at, at uh, some really fun places. Yeah, I, it's going to be an excellent class. I, um, For those of you watching, if you want to sign up for that class and, and get in on this conversation with Lynn, um, you just need to click on the Grow Center links and you will find information on registration and how to sign up for that. Um, Lynn, last question before we go. If um, some friends listening in want to pick up a copy of this commentary or uh, some of the other great books you've written, uh, what's the best way? Amazon? Do you have a website? How do they find you? I think probably Amazon. Yeah, Amazon would would be good. I, I do have a, a website, um, but I, I am someone who struggles to use the TV remote. Uh, and so my technological skills uh, pretty much went out the door literally when my children graduated from college and moved on. So 
uh, I, I do much better with ancient manuscripts. <laughs> well, I love it. That's why Amazon exists. So you can exactly. do, you do and we'll let Jeff Bezos do his thing. So exactly. if you all want to find Lynn's books, um, you can pick them up on Amazon. So um, Lynn, thank you for joining us, for sharing your wisdom, your gift, your energy, all the things with us. Um, we're going to find another date and put it out there. We're going to do this again because I feel like we have a lot, a lot more interview, a lot more conversation to have. So Thank I look you. forward to that. Thanks, Tracy. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Grow Center's Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Grow Center channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with the Grow Center on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Center Network and our website at www.thegrowcenter.com. See you next time.